From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey there, Georgia. I'll take a bite of your juicy peach. I'm Bill Curtis. <laughs> and here is your host at the Johnny Mercer Theater in Savannah, Georgia, Peter Sagal. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Savannah. Thank you. It is uh, such a pleasure to be making our debut in Savannah. Of course, it's the city famous for, among other things, uh, being the setting of the book and film Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Now, this is, of course, a public radio crowd. We're not as young as we once were. So for us, it's going to be more like 9 p.m. in the Garden of Good and Evil. <laughs> but first, this last week, former Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams delivered the Democratic response to the State of the Union, and it seems it didn't go well. And I'm saying this because apparently the only talk show she could get booked on after it was this one. <laughs> Ms. Abrams will be joining us later to play Not My Job, but first it's your turn. Give us a call and play our games. The number is one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello, Savannah, Georgia. This is Heather Mitchell from Austin, Texas. Hey there, Heather. It's good to hear from you. Um, what do you do there in Austin? I work for a title company, also known as a paperwork factory. I understand. Um, I also play competitive women's kickball in the summertime. Of course you do. <laughs> Everybody in Austin is oh, obligated by city ordinance mandatory. to have a weird hobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Heather. Let me introduce you to our panel this week. First up, it's a writer and performer who you last saw as Mike Pence on The President Show. It's Peter Gross. Hi. Hi, Peter. How are you? Next, it's a feature writer for the style section of The Washington Post. It's Roxanne Roberts. Hello, Heather. Hi, Roxanne. And finally, a correspondent for CBS Sunday Morning and host of the new podcast, Mobituaries, available wherever you get your podcast. It's Mo Rocca. <laughs> Heather, you're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from the week's news. You know this. Your job, correctly identify or explain just two of them. Do that. You'll win our prize. The voice of anyone you might choose from our show and your voicemail. You ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Your first quote is a bit of poetry we all heard on Tuesday night. If there is going to be peace and legislation, <laughs> there cannot be war and investigation. That was just one of the verses dropped by master MC Donald Trump <laughs> during what speech? The State of the Union. The address. State of the Union, Heather, yes. I know, it happened this week, it seems crazy. All that hype and the delay and in the end, it was so boring and disappointing, the State of the Union, that you half expected Adam Levine to come out in the middle and take his shirt off. <laughs> that would have been a vast improvement. <laughs> The speech did make history. Somebody analyzed it and found all the words that had never before been said in a State of the Union address in all our history. For example, and this is real, bloodthirsty, chilling, fentanyl, heartache, freeloading, sadistic, venomous, 
and kissing. <laughs> all true. Weird, he said all those things, but President Trump still hasn't said Tiffany, though. I don't know. <laughs> oh, poor Tiffany. Oh, poor oh. Tiffany. She was there. She was there. She was there. She, she was behind, you know, one of the distinguished guests in the box. And I literally was like, oh, right, Tiffany. Which I think is the same reaction that he had. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for all the, you know, challenges and vitriol, there were some bipartisan moments. For example, many of the Democrats wore white and all of the Republicans were white. <laughs> to, to be fair, Peter, they did wear different colored ties. That's Jimmy the Republicans. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a rainbow of Caucasians. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I was wondering, like, why is he making this rhyme, this, like, very yeah. Dr. Seussian, like, elementary school rhyme? And then I thought, like, oh, I bet this is how his advisors explain things to him. <laughs> and he was like, those rhymes, I always get it when they make the rhymes. All right, your next quote is from a woman named Shalua Sharp. It's on Twitter. When we said more black faces in government... <laughs> We should have been more specific. Ms. <laughs> <laughs> Sharp is commenting on the growing scandal that will apparently end the career of every politician in what state? Virginia. Yes, Virginia! What the hell is happening in Virginia? Oh Turns God. out that female members of Congress are not the only group of Democrats that dress alike. <laughs> So it began, it began with Governor Ralph Northam. He was elected over a guy who was running on an explicitly racist platform, but it turns out, before you vote, you got to check under the hood. <laughs> so somebody found this photograph from the governor's medical school yearbook, and it's a picture of a guy in blackface next to a guy in a Klan outfit. And the governor immediately apologized, even though he said that he did not remember which one was him. Right. He can't remember. He must have gotten blackface drunk. <laughs> Isn't there a Jeff Foxworthy joke where it's like, if you can't remember if you're the guy under the hood or the yeah. guy wearing blackface, you might be a racist. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I found this astounding for so many reasons. First of all, I was shocked that medical, school, medical schools had yearbooks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's got the time, right? Yeah. And, and then I was also stunned the press conference, the disastrous press conference he had the next day where he said, you know, it's really hard to get shoe polish off your skin. Oh, God. So the press conference, he comes out and he says, by the way, oh my God. he says, I was wrong. It wasn't me. <laughs> In those photos, I was wrong. But, he says, I did put shoe polish on my face to impersonate Michael Jackson at a dance contest. And somebody says, can you still moonwalk? And he says, I would, but my wife just told me it's not the right moment. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> wow. But, all right, but uh, that's, we, that's just the governor. That's just the I, governor. And then can I just say, <laughs> Florida must be sighing relief right now. <laughs> <laughs> the Democratic lieutenant governor who would take over if Northam resigns. In the middle of the night, he comes out and says, I just want you all to know that the sexual assault accusation against me is totally bogus. And everybody's like, what sexual assault <laughs> accusation? And he's like, this one. Everybody
for a week. And then, we're not done, the Attorney General said, yeah, I did blackface too. And a prominent Republican says, I edited a yearbook filled with racist photos. And so seriously, at this point, Virginia is changing its name to East West Virginia. That's right. <laughs> so, Heather, your last quote is from a critique of a new play that the author hopes to debut in New York City soon. It was long-winded and meandering. Thankfully, none of it was wrapped. So that was the New Yorker talking about a play that was written just because the play's author hates what so much? Hamilton? Yes, Hamilton. Very good. <laughs> now, I know you're shocked. You may have thought it was actually illegal to dislike Hamilton. <laughs> and while you're not right, you should be. Uh, a writer named Ishmael Reed really hates the musical Hamilton because he says that by making Hamilton himself a cool hip-hop first-dropping immigrant hero, it covers up Hamilton's real life as a slave owner and generally bad guy. So Ishmael Reed wrote a play called The Haunting of Lin-Manuel Miranda in which the author of Hamilton, played by an actor, uh, you know, that's the most beloved musical of modern times, is he's visited by ghosts of people from history telling him how wrong he is. That's the play. In the end, of course, we guess he'd be, he'd be visited by a ghost of Lin-Manuel Future who says, don't worry about all this, I am so rich. <laughs> is it being produced? No, he just... is hoping, they did a reading, which the New Yorker attended, and they're hoping for backing so they can produce this play to appeal to the vast yeah. potential audience of people what who hate Hamilton. What are his other plays like? Puppies uh, suck. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, I loved his Maria von Trapp as a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, or his great earlier musical from the 70s, Get Down From There, Fiddler. <laughs> How did Heather do in our quiz? Well, first of all, she's a great sport. And Heather, how did you know that all those answers were right? You're a winner. Congratulations, Heather. Right now, panel, it is time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Peter, Delta Airlines is the most recent airline under fire for its inappropriate actions. Oh, this no. week, they're fighting a social media backlash after they passed out napkins, cocktail napkins mm -hmm. on the plane, that encouraged the passengers to do what? Uh, wear blackface. No. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, it was like write down your yes. phone number for who you have a crush on the plane. Exactly on. right. Yeah, yeah. Write your phone number down and give it to a hottie who you've noticed. Uh, the promotional cocktail napkin uh, said, quote, write down your number because you're in a plane full of interesting people and hey, you never know. <laughs> you never know who's a serial killer. <laughs> and, and so the... So wait, the flight attendants are basically pimping. pimping. Basically, yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you say if you want to pick up somebody you noticed on a plane? Oh, I love the way the drool from your mouth while you were sleeping caught the light. <laughs> I oh, noticed God. that uh, when you walked out of the bathroom, you told the other passengers not to go in there. Yeah. <laughs> People complained that the whole thing was creepy. It got weirder when the flight attendants opened up the bathroom and asked if anyone wanted to spend the flight in the fantasy suite. <laughs> in the 
Coming up, our panelists are looking for clues in an unsolved mysteries bluff, the listener game. Call one triple eight wait wait to play. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. With the new Capital One Saver card, you can earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment. That means 4% on checking out that new restaurant everybody's talking about, and 4% on watching your team win at home. Now when you go out, you cash in. You'll also earn 2% cash back at grocery stores and 1% on all other purchases. What's in your wallet? I feel pretty. When do we feel pretty? pretty. Why do we feel pretty? And who gets to decide what pretty is? We'll answer our listeners' questions all about beauty this week on the Code Switch Podcast. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Roxanne Roberts, Mo Rocca, and Peter Gross. And here again is your host at the Johnny Mercer Theater in Savannah, Georgia, Peter Sagal. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Bill. Thank you all so much. I'm assuming you're all excited because it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. You can call one triple eight wait wait to play our games in the air. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hello. This is Chris Newman from Jonesboro, Arkansas. Jonesboro, Arkansas. Now, where is that exactly? That is in northeast Arkansas, about an hour north-northwest of Memphis, Tennessee. Well, what do you do there? Uh, I am in outside sales, and I am a competition barbecuer. How, yes. uh, how, do, can you make a living as a competitive barbecuer? Not a very good one. No. <laughs> Chris, it's nice to have you with us. You're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is Chris's topic? And then the case went cold. There are certain mysteries that may never be solved. Who killed Jimmy Hoffa? Where's the Malaysian Airlines plane? Why could no one in Virginia think of any other Halloween costume? (laughs) (laughs) Our panelists are going to tell you about a current unsolved mystery somewhere in the world. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? Yes, sir. All right. First up, let's hear from Mo Rocca. It wasn't long after Lisa DeRosa of Sydney, Australia, reported her pet missing that its collar was found outside the nearby Tunley Daycare Center. Dino was like family, she said about her three-year-old pet dingo. Then, just a week later, Danny Hartman's dingo went missing. The end of its tail was found inside the daycare center, as was the chew toy of yet another missing dingo the next day. Sydney Police Inspector Bill Keith convened a press conference and announced what everyone already suspected. A baby ate these dingoes. (laughs) But which baby? Which baby from the daycare center was fearless and hungry enough to overtake and consume at least three 35-pound feral canines? Twenty-two babies were called in for questioning and to have the contents of their diapers examined. Suspicion eventually fell upon 18-month-old Lily Grace Delicata. Not surprisingly, her mother Olive vehemently denies the charges. Lily may have a healthy appetite and abnormally large incisors. And yes, it's true that while I was nursing her, I ate a diet rich in jackal meat. But that doesn't prove anything. The investigation continues. A baby ate my dingo. 
or so say some people in Australia. That's from Mo Rocca. Your next story of someone looking for clues comes from Roxanne Roberts. Geneva, Switzerland has an alphabet problem, specifically a Scrabble problem. About three months ago, game lovers in the Swiss city found the letter N missing from new game boxes. Calls to manufacturer Mattel confirmed that the games had been delivered to stores intact, so someone in town was buying the game, removing all the tiles of one letter, resealing the box in shrink wrap, and returning it to the store shelves, reports the BBC. Over the next few weeks, customers reported the same problem, but with different letters. D in December, J last month, and just this week, two boxes had the F tile missing. No security cameras have images of the culprit, but the mystery has captivated game players all over Europe. Speculation ranges from a disgruntled delivery man or an evil crossword puzzle fanatic to Mattel itself as an insidious way to boost sales. A spokesman for Scrabble said to the BBC, quote, this is an unacceptable breach of fair play and we will pursue this to the letter of the law. Somebody stealing random letters from Scrabble sets in Switzerland. Your last story of a mystery yet to be solved comes from Peter Gross. Canadian police are looking for Mr. Sexy. Ontario, Canada might sound like a strange setting for a tale of international mystery replete with stolen property, fast cars, and sex, but this is exactly what happened this week in the city of Mississauga, the Mississippi of Ontario. One Mississauga, two Mississauga. Police pulled over a speeding vehicle, and after a quick check of the registration, they discovered that the vanity license plates on that vehicle had been stolen from another car and placed on that car. So Sergeant Kerry Schmidt of the Ontario Provincial Police posted pictures of the plates along with the following message on Twitter. Are these yours? Looking for the rightful owner of Mr. Sexy license plates. They were unlawfully attached to a Maserati driven by a 17-year-old driver going 150 kilometers an hour. Just for the record, that's about 90 miles an hour and about 30 years too early for a midlife crisis. Officers knew the plates didn't belong to the teenager when they pulled over and asked him, are you Mr. Sexy? And he replied, please, Mr. Sexy is my father. Call me David. <laughs> <laughs> the incident also marks the first recorded incident of someone going on Twitter during work hours, posting that they were looking for Mr. Sexy and not getting fired. <laughs> But this is far from the first vanity license plate in Broglio to rock our neighbors to the north. In January, Manitoba plates reading A-S-I-M-I-L-8, or assimilate, were revoked due to concerns it was an insult to indigenous people. The owner of the plates, Nick Toller, explained it was actually a reference to a famous saying by the Borg, an alien species from Star Trek, which allowed Ontario police to safely scratch Mr. Toller off the list of potential Mr. Sexies. <laughs> Boom. All right. There's somebody out there, and they're going to get him, but they don't know who it is yet. Is it, from Mo Rocca, a baby who might well be eating dingoes in Australia? From Roxanne Roberts, the mystery vandal who's removing random letters from Scrabble sets in Switzerland? Or, from Peter Gross, the search for the Mr. Sexy of Ontario, Canada? Which of these is the real mystery in the week's news? I'm going go, to go with Peter. You're going to go with Peter Gross's story of the search for Mr. Sexy. Well, we couldn't find this person who's missing, but we could bring you 
one of the people looking for him. Mr. Sexy was not attached to that vehicle, and uh, we were looking for the real Mr. Sexy. That was Sergeant Kerry Schmidt of the Ontario Provincial Police talking about the search for Mr. Sexy. Mr. Sexy, if you're listening, turn yourself in. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, congratulations, Chris. You got it right. Peter was, of course, telling the truth. He's in the point. You've won our prize. Everybody's happy. I assume Mr. Sexy, wherever he is, is also happy. He's sexy. Thank you so much for playing, Chris. Thank you. And now the game where we ask really important people to waste their time on unimportant things. <laughs> One of the most popular Democratic candidates of the 2018 election cycle was Stacey Abrams of Georgia. Who <laughs> she uh, ran against Georgia's Secretary of State who oversees elections. It's a little bit like playing a baseball game against the umpires. <laughs> She narrowly lost the race for governor, but that has not kept her off the national stage, most recently giving the Democratic response to the State of the Union address, and now she's here. Stacey Abrams, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you so much. And welcome so, to Georgia. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, especially. We didn't know that everybody who comes to Georgia gets to meet you, if I'd known. We should start by saying, you've been, you presumably have been listening from offstage. Do you have a response to the first half of our show? <laughs> I do, but it requires a teleprompter, a fake non-green screen, and a union hall. All right. I, all right. The first, I really want to find out about the process of giving the State of the Union response. But first of all, you must know that that is a cursed job, right? Yes. Right. So I don't have a job right now, so I was free. That's true. <laughs> but, but whenever anybody mentions the response to the State of the Union, it doesn't matter what party. People say, oh, yeah, Bobby Jindal looked like a baby, and, and Marco Rubio with the water, and the Democrat with the lips. And so you, how did you say to you, how did you plan that you would not end up on that list? I drank a lot of water early. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used a low gloss but very moisturizing lipstick. Yeah. Um, and I prayed really hard. <laughs> did you... It's technically called a response. Yes. Did you think at all about what you anticipated President Trump might say so you could respond to it? I would put it this way. I have heard him speak before. Yes. <laughs> I assumed it would be some combination of demagoguery, uh, self-aggrandizement, two lines about something nice that he would three lines later overrule. Right. Um, <laughs> Did you know that it would rhyme? <laughs> you know what? That, that I missed. And, you know, I feel sorry for whoever thought that was the right way to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, another big question for the State of the Union response is where are you going to do it and what the background is. Mm -hmm. People have tried various things. You went for it was a union hall, you say? Correct. And, and behind you had all these people. But it was also true that unusually they were all blurred out. So you were like looking at us, speaking to us, and there were these blurry figures behind you, and I was like, oh, those are the ghosts that are haunting Miss Abrams. <laughs> Until she completes for them the tasks they left undone in life. Those are the ghosts of votes uncounted. Oh, so. there we go. Can I, can I, ask, can I ask you a question? Um, 
have we met before? Because I went to theater camp with at least three girls named Stacey Abrams. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Really? It's Were you at my bat mitzvah? <laughs> So everybody knows you for your 2018 gubernatorial campaign here in Georgia, but what people may not know is that you have this completely different career writing romance novels. Can you tell us about that? So I had this very bad breakup with uh, one of my boyfriends. He is a chemical physicist. He's a wonderful person and we're friends now. I read his dissertation when I was in law school on um, microzeolite technology. Anyway, nobody cares. <sighs> for that alone. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he owes you. Okay. And so I thought, ooh, this thing he, cre he, he discovered, I was like, you could appropriate it and create this chemical weapon that could be discovered by this chemical physicist. And I told him about it, and he was like, that could never happen. I'm like, this is why we broke up. You have no imagination. <laughs> uh, so in law school, I decided to write two things. I wrote a very exciting treatise on the operational dissonance of the unrelated business income tax exemption. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then I wrote Rules of Engagement, which is a romantic suspense novel. So I technically write romantic suspense. I kill a lot of people, and then those who survive can fall in love. Oh, really? <laughs> so, and, and then Rules of Engagement, my ex-boyfriend and the genesis of the story languishes in prison for the rest of his natural life. <laughs> really? Stacey Abrams, it is such a pleasure to talk to you. We have invited you here to play a game we're calling... It's a fine bromance. So we have established that you are a successful writer of romances. But what do you know about bromance? Bromance, the love that dare not speak its name, but instead shouts it at frat parties. <laughs> we're going to ask you three questions about bromances. Get two right, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they like, giving response on their voicemail. Bill, who is Stacey Abrams playing for? Eli Irvin of Pooler, Georgia. There you go. All right, you ready to do this? I am. Uh, here's your first question. Okay. Bromances go way back. Uh, which of these is a real example of a historical bromance? A, St. Augustine used to invite his best pal, Olypius, to hang out in an actual cave with him in the mountains, which he called our beloved man cave. <laughs> B, in the early 1800s, composer Franz Schubert was such close friends with poet Franz von Schober that he referred to themselves together as Schobert. <laughs> or C, although it was edited out of many Bibles, there's one paragraph in the book of Genesis about Adam and his friend Jeff. <laughs> You're going, to go with, you're going to go with St. Augustine. I'm going to go with St. Augustine. Invented the man cave. He did so much for the world. <laughs> he did. But, but because but, but. I listen to the audience. Listen to the people. You're the people to the believe people. the answer the is B, and yeah. therefore I will throw myself on their mercy and blame them if I lose again. <laughs> uh, they're right this time. It was B. All right. One of the most famous bromances, uh, of course, is between Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street. <laughs> we all know about the rumors that they're gay. They're not gay. They don't exist from the waist down. But you can still make it work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was another rumor that haunted Bert and Ernie for at least a decade. What was it? A, that they were a hot dog and hamburger brought to life by a wizard. B, that they were intended to be a sly parody when they were invented of Richard Nixon and Spiro Agnew. Or C, that Bert was secretly dead. I got dark really fast. You did, yeah. <laughs> I feel like B is the answer. I'm going to give you a hint. The hint is that this rumor was most prevalent in the 90s. Maybe it this is that. I think it's C. You think it's C? I think it's C because we were really dark in the 90s. She's right. It was C. So like, it, was, it was exactly like the so whole Beatles thing. There was like a conspiracy theory. You can tell he's dead because X, Y, and Z. But no, he's, he's not dead. He was never alive. <laughs> Last question, the bromance between Ernest Hemingway and James Joyce started in Paris in the 1920s, of course. Joyce and Hemingway would often go to bars together, and their nights usually ended when which of these happened? A, Joyce would get really drunk, start spouting gibberish, and Hemingway would write it down, eventually creating Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> B, Joyce would get really drunk, pick fights, and then hide behind Hemingway screaming, deal with it, Hemingway, deal with him. <laughs> or C, Hemingway would get really drunk and then eventually try to pick up Joyce, saying, come on, so what if you have a mustache? Joyce is a woman's name, right? <laughs> I don't think it's the first one. I don't think Hemingway shared, so I don't think it's the last one. So I think by the process of elimination, it has to be B. You're right. That's what it was. So, Bill, how did Stacey Abrams do in this little contest? She won this one! <laughs> Stacey Abrams is the founder of Fair Fight Action, the author of Minority Leader. More information can be found at fairfightaction.com. Stacey Abrams, thank you so much! We all get greasy fingers in our listener limerick challenge. Call one triple eight wait wait to join us on the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe is complete wireless protection for your home. The system can be self-installed in under an hour, and there are no long-term contracts and no hidden fees. CNET, the Wirecutter, and PC Mag have all named Simply Safe their top pick for home security. And Simply Safe protects over 2 million people every day. Learn more about protecting your home and family with Simply Safe at simplysafe.com. Slash wait. Every day on her way to and from work, Laura Bates, like millions of women around the world, suffered indignities, big and small. It just made me sit down and, and ask myself, why is this normal? She launched a website called Everyday Sexism, and thousands of women, and even some men, started to share their stories too. Ideas around gender and power on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Roxanne Roberts, Mo Rocca, and Peter Gross. And here again is your host at the Johnny Mercer Theater in Savannah, Georgia. 
Peter Sagan. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much, everybody. In just a minute, Bill has an affair to remember in our listener Limerick Challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's one 8924 Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Mo, there's a new app called Recharge, and it lets you rent your what to people in increments of single minutes. Cell phone. No. Okay, it lets um, your body. <laughs> On your child. Um. <laughs> Wait, it's called, it's called Recharge? It's is called that a hint? Recharge. It's a little bit of a hint because the idea is that the people who are using it, who want to rent this from you for a number of minutes, oh, need to recharge. It's your charger. No. It's a car battery. No. It's, it's, um, it, I'm going to steal this. It's your house. That's what it is, well, Mom. Right. <laughs> So you just whip out this app, you dial it up, you'll use the function, and you can find somewhere near you a stranger who thinks that it's totally cool to let a stranger to oh them God. hang out in their apartment for 30 minutes. This should be called, like, the serial killer app. Pretty much. For the traveler, it's, it's a cost-effective and convenient way to pop into a clean home, destroy their bathroom, steal some Vicodin, and go about <laughs> your day. All right. Roxanne. Driverless cars are already on the road in some cities, and everybody thinks it'll be great because they're much more efficient, it'll be, make everything better, but no. A new study has issued a warning saying that traffic will get much worse with automated vehicles because with their advanced artificial intelligence, they will refuse to do what? Uh, parallel park. Mo, this is your chance to steal yeah, I know, the I know. I know. <laughs> They, they will refuse. You were actually, they, they you were refuse. close. Humans do this too. We've been known to drive around blocks for like an extra 20 minutes. Oh, to oh avoid ask for directions. No, to, they have directions. <laughs> to avoid will, having to do they this. They will refuse to look for a parking space. You're That's right. Hard. I'm going to give it to Mo so he can steal it back. Seems only fair. Right. <laughs> Specifically, what they won't do is they won't pay for parking because they won't have to. You have to park your car because it can't go anywhere without you in it. Automated cars can just keep driving. Oh, you no. see? Why pay $35 for some downtown parking lot? So it just drops me off. I go into the little house for 10 minutes exactly. to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> the car keeps circling yes. and I come out. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, the idea. Right. So it's great. Bridge. You get to do what you need to do and you're making your appointment, oh you're God. stealing their Vicodin, whatever. <laughs> and the car does what it wants, which is kill more pedestrians, and then you meet up again. I also like the idea that like you go inside what you what you do and the car goes out and drives what it does and I just think like a driverless car without a person in it is like wee <laughs> like I love my life it's driving I can do whatever I want can it, can it steal Mr. Sexy License <laughs> It's lightning fell in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight wait wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Or you can click the contact us link on our website waitwait.npr.org, where you can find out about attending our weekly live shows back at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago. And if you want to play along right now, just ask your Alexa or Google Home to open the wait wait quiz, and you can play our new interactive game on your smart speaker. Play it again and again to prove to your friends and family how smart you are, and you might even win a prize. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Danielle from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Danielle, how are you? Hey. People here applauded. 
which is great. I, I, I don't know the answer to this. Is there a rivalry between Atlanta and Savannah, the two largest cities of, uh, of uh, Georgia? Of course, of no. course not. Everything else in between is Alabama, so we have to stick together. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Danielle, welcome to the show. Bill Curtis is going to read for you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly and just two of the limericks will be a winner. You ready to play? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do it for the pride of Georgia. Here's your first limerick. A grease stain is worse than a crack. So we'll mark it a simple life hack. Just crunch up your chips, tip the bag to your lips, and voila, it's a one-handed... Snack. Snack, that's right. Very good. This is a problem we've all got. It needed to be solved. You're fist deep into a bag of Cheetos, and you get a text. And you try to reply, and the next thing you know, your $1,000 smartphone is so greasy, it gets acne. Well, good news, a snack company in Japan has created a product called One Hand Chips. Instead of grabbing a handful of chips with your fingers, with one hand chips, you just tip a cup filled with hundreds of chip bits to your lips, and you kind of drink them down. <laughs> it's it's like the best way to make sure you end up with neither any grease spots or human dignity. <laughs> it's, it's called a Pringles can. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but are the chips really small? Well, yeah, the idea is like they're small enough so that they can flow gently into your mouth, but presumably large enough so you're not just eating dust. That so would then, be the problem. So then, do you have like a bag of soda to drink with Apparently, your can yeah. of chips? Why not just mix the chips with soda? <laughs> I was about to say that's disgusting, but you know that's going to be on sale next week. All right, here is your next limerick. With each little step that accrues, I will feel that I win when I lose. My footwear will show when the calories go. I am tracking my weight with my... Shoes. Yes, yes. shoes. You're good at this. Google, we are told, is developing a new pair of smart shoes that will tell you if you need to lose weight, taking the place of the technology we've all been using, dumb pants. They call them smart shoes. They're really judgmental shoes. Right. Smart-ass shoes. And, and, of course, it's worse. There are two of them. They talk to each other. Oh, they're like your parents. Trust us, your weight is the least of your problems. <laughs> Are they just like, oh, ow, ow. No, no, it's fine. You're not too heavy. Oh, <laughs> ow. All right. Here is your final limerick. For six months, they'll give you some wonder care. But with washing, they soon tear asunder there. My hard-working briefs need frequent relief. <laughs> it is time to replace all my... Underwear. Underwear, yes. Apparently, and this came as a shock to me, keeping your underwear around until one day it naturally biodegrades is not <laughs> the most sanitary idea. I thought it was ecologically conscious. We should be throwing them out every six months. Not six wow. years, six Ugh. months. Right when you've started getting to know each other. <laughs> this advice, by the way, is from yeah. Good Housekeeping. It's not the underwear council. No, but we know that Good Housekeeping is in the pocket of Big Brief. <laughs> <laughs> or as Big Brief likes to be called, Extra Large Brief. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. So briefs should only be worn briefly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's, why they're called called, briefs. that's why they're called briefs. Exactly. I view this entirely from, from the, if you got hit by a bus and they took you oh, to yeah, the, the hospital. Oh, yeah, the classic. Right. What your, what your, you know, would you be proud of the underwear you were wearing? That yeah. would not be your biggest worry at that moment. <laughs> Really, you'll never walk again. And that's fine. <laughs> what did you guys think of the back of my underwear? <laughs> Bill, how did Danielle do? Danielle, you got them all right. Congratulations. Danielle, thank you so much for playing. Thank you. Bye-bye. Support for NPR and the following message comes from the NPR Wine Club. Discover hand-selected wines from award-winning vineyards around the world. Learn of the stories behind each one and enjoy unique bottles inspired by your favorite NPR shows, all without ever having to leave the house. The club's welcome offer includes a bottle of the delightful Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Merlot. If you're 21 years or older, uncork the fun at nprwineclub.org. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Goldman Sachs, presenting Talks at GS. Goldman Sachs interviews show that convenes leading thinkers to share insights and ideas shaping the world. Recent episodes feature Disney's Bob Iger, journalist Katie Couric, and GM's Mary Barra. That's Talks at GS, available on Hulu, Amazon Prime, Yahoo Finance, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at GS.com. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as he or she can. Each correct answer now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the score? All our panelists are tied at wow. three. Wow. Mm, this is nice. All right. Well, I'm just going to arbitrarily choose who goes first. Peter, you're up first. Wonderful. The, cl- the clock will start when I begin your first question, fill in the blank. On Wednesday, the House Intelligence Committee announced plans to investigate whether blank has any leverage over President Trump. Uh, any foreign country? Uh, yeah, or- I'll give it to you. They were looking, actually, <laughs> yeah. they were looking at Russia, but they also said other foreign yeah, countries. I thought that was A good. new report released on Tuesday said that ISIS is likely to regain territory following Trump's decision to withdraw troops from blank. Syria. Right. This week, the governor of New Mexico withdrew most of her state's National Guard troops from the blank. Southern border. Right. On Wednesday, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau announced plans to roll back Obama-era restrictions on the blank industry. The stupid payday lending industry. Exactly right. A man in Florida caught breaking the windshields of multiple cars in a parking lot said he was only doing it because he blank. Uh, because he hated cars. Almost, because he was really angry that he could not remember where he had parked. <laughs> This week, it was revealed that some apps for the blank may be recording users' screens without their knowledge. iPhone. Right. This week, it was confirmed that the blanks would go on without a host. Uh, Oscars. Right. Hoping to do its part to manage the gray squirrel population in the UK, a business in London is blanking. They are uh, having their employees kill squirrels at lunchtime. No, they are (laughs) serving customers gray squirrel lasagna. Gray squirrels are considered an invasive species in the UK, so it helped do their part to cull the population. A restaurant in London called Native came up with a brilliant idea, gray squirrel lasagna, or as it's more commonly known, no thanks, I'll just have a linguine. <laughs> that also, by the way, that now makes me doubtful of any lasagna that I'm getting. Never, who that knows they, what that is? Yeah, because they're like, oh, what's the perfect food to hide squirrel exactly meat in? Exactly right. <laughs> lasagna. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bill, how did Peter Gross do in our quiz? Well, Peter got six right for 12 more points. He has a total of 15 and the lead. That is very strong, Peter. Thank you. Roxanne, you're up next. Okay. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, President Trump announced he would hold a second summit with blank in Vietnam in late February. Kim Jong-un. Right. On Thursday, the German government announced plans to limit the data gathering abilities of social media site blank. Facebook. Right. This week, a humanitarian aid convoy bound for blank was blocked by the country's military. Venezuela. Right. On Thursday, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez unveiled details of the so-called blank. Green New Deal. Right. On Wednesday, podcast giant Giblet Media was purchased by blank. It was Spotify? Yes, it was okay. Spotify. With just 16 points scored, Sunday's game between the Patriots and Rams was the lowest scoring blank in history. Super Bowl. Right. With Valentine's Day approaching, Potbelly Sandwich Shop announced a new special offering, free blanks, on February 14th. Free, free heart tests. No. <laughs> they will be offering... One free cookie for single people. Oh, oh, wow. oh, that's sad. Anyone who comes into the store on Valentine's Day without a significant other gets a free cookie of their choice. A it's great news. A cookie of shame. A cookie of shame. <laughs> it's great news for any single person who's looking to lessen the sting of Valentine's Day with something sweet. It's even better news for couples who can get two free cookies by splitting up and going to two <laughs> different pot bellies. Just a bunch of people outside, like, taking their wedding rings off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, how did Roxanne do it? Well, the game continues. She got six right, 12 more points. Like Peter, a total of 15. So they're tied. Oh, no, you have to get six. Just, you you got to get six. I don't think I've ever been in a I can. You can do it. So how many, then, does Mo need to win? Well, he can tie it at six. Win it at seven. Here right, we go. Thank you. All right, now this is for the game. Fill in the blank. On Monday, federal prosecutors in New York sent subpoenas to President Trump's blank. It's subpoenas. Oh, oh my God! I'm already falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, he sent subpoenas to the president's. It wasn't his personal lawyer. Go back to the beginning. Inaugural committee. The inaugural committee. <laughs> yes. yes. On Sunday, the White House announced plans to keep troops in Iraq to monitor activity in blank. Oh, they'd be monitoring activity um, in Syria. No, in Iran. In Iran. In Iran. Keep this rolling. This week, Nancy Pelosi said she would back any deal on blank that bipartisan negotiators might reach. Immigration. Yeah, border security immigration, I'll give it to you. The CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, revealed in a post that AMI, the publisher of Blank, had attempted to blackmail him. National Enquirer. Yes. Why are we whispering? Because audio is an intimate medium. All right. <laughs> After it was discovered that its accelerator pedal often got stuck, a recall warning was put out for Blank. For a car. <laughs> Specifically for the Power Wheels Barbie Dream Dog, Camper. Jane, camper. <laughs> on Wednesday, NASA announced that 2018 was the fourth blankest year on record. The, the spaciest year. No. It was, the, it was that, but it was the hottest year on record. Cryptocurrency investors in Canada are unable to withdraw over $140 million of investments because the investment company's president blanked. Because the investment companies they lost it. He misplaced it. He, no, he, he died before he told anyone his password. 
It's always sad when somebody dies, but it's even sadder when you can't send the family flowers because all your money is tied up in Bitcoin and somebody didn't take the time to write down their password on a sticky note like a normal person and put it on the monitor. <laughs> it's expected that the man's funeral will be attended by several thousand people, all of whom will console his grieving mother and ask her what her maiden name is. <laughs> Did Mo do well enough to win? He got three right, six more, total of nine. Our winners this week are Roxanne and Peter. So this year's Super Bowl halftime show was broadly seen to be a disappointment. So we're going to ask our panelists in just a minute to predict what will be next year's Super Bowl halftime show. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our interns are Alex McCohen and Rachel Klepper. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernboss, and Lillian King. Our private dancer, our dancer for money, is Peter Gwynn. Technical direction from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. The production coordinator is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. The executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, what will be next year's exciting, thrilling Super Bowl halftime show? Mo Rocca. Broadway's Patti Lapone, because she's great, and I'd love to hear her yell at 80,000 drunken football fans to put away their cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne Roberts. In an effort to boost ratings, the halftime show will be the Bare Naked Ladies. Not the band, actual Bare Naked Ladies. And Peter Gross. Um, next year's halftime show is going to be the most watched ever when Stacey Abrams does a response to the first half. <laughs> <laughs> and if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Morocco. Roxanne Roberts and Peter Gross. Thanks to the staff and crew at the Johnny Mercer Theater. Thanks to everybody at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks to our fabulous audience here in Savannah. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you back in Chicago next week. This is NPR.